Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage for today comes from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 9. Listen for what God is saying. Brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people, but like unspiritual people, like babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Now you are still not up to it because you are still unspiritual. When jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? When someone says, I belong to Paul, and someone else says, I belong to Apollos, aren't you acting like people without the spirit? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants who helped you to believe. Each one had a role given to them by the Lord. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Because of this, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But the only one who is anything is God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together but each one will receive their own reward for their own labor. We are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, my name is Emily McKinley. Uh, I am the pastor here at UBC Hyde Park Woodlawn, and I'm grateful um, to, to worship with you here today, um, not only to celebrate six years of being who we are, which is a tremendous gift in and of itself, but because in this day, on this day, and in, in this day and age, we know that um, practices of gathering, and particularly practices of gathering as a people of hope who are committed to a faith tradition that calls us outside of ourselves, is a radical and dangerous thing for works of evil in this world. There is a reason why communities of faith are targeted by terrorists, and it's because it is a place where people are reminded that they are for something greater than themselves and that they are loved in the fullness of who they are. And so every time we gather, every time we drag ourselves out of bed and make our way here, it is an act of resistance against evil, and I am grateful to be able to resist with you. Let us pray together. God, we are grateful to gather in this space. We are grateful that you hold us and you call us your own. We are grateful that we get to serve alongside those who you love deeply, who you created to call, to created for great and good purposes of life-giving in this world, whether they identify um, in the Abrahamic traditions or something else altogether. We know that within our DNA embedded within us is a design to cultivate life together in this world. And so in the midst of all the things that would try to crowd out those life-giving practices um, with fear, help us to be people of courage and help us to be people of encouragement, encouraging one another to show up, to gather, to reach out, to connect 
even when it's hard, knowing that when we do so, we defeat those forces of death. And we pray this with gratitude and trust in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Not too long ago, I was trying to get my daughter, Sela, ready for the morning and feeling very impatient with all the ways that she was managing to slow down the process, which there are many. Uh, singing, hopping on one foot, all the things that little kids do, right? As I tried to part her hair and, you know, get it to behave. And I can't recall exactly how this went down, but I, I do recall being very frustrated and I snapped at her to stop interrupting the process. Stop it. Her response was the resistance cry of children across all generations. She said, when I grow up, you won't tell me what to do. <laughs> Which is untrue, because of course, as long as she lives, as long as I live, I'll be telling her what I think she should do. <laughs> but what she expressed is familiar to any kid who has felt their autonomy and self-determination hamstrung by some grown-up who just doesn't get it or is imposing their timetable on them. When I grow up, things will be different, we say to ourselves. When I grow up, I'll do things my way. We fantasize about all the ways we'll call the shots, how bedtime won't be imposed on us by some draconian parent, how much junk food we'll consume, and all the unfettered screen time we'll get. Growing up is awesome in a lot of ways. You do get to determine the course of your days and your life to a greater degree. But growing up is also not what most of us thought it would be, right? It's not long before we realize that when we go to bed late and we have to get up work for school or work or some other responsibility and we don't get enough sleep, we can't function the next day, right? We realize that when we eat all the junk food we want, it comes back on us in the form of tighter clothes, lower energy, or diabetes, right? We come to find out that our jobs demand more screen time than we could ever even want, or if that's not the case, it's easy to lose a whole day binge-watching shows that we can't even recall at the end of it, right? Well, there are lots of freedoms to enjoy and autonomy to experience. It's not long before we come to find out that all that freedom and autonomy also comes with responsibility and consequence. But if we've done our foundation work right, if we've taken the opportunities to learn and grow that have been made available to us, if we've had a good community of folks, like D'Angelo was talking about, um, to kind of come alongside us, or at least one or two people, right, who would journey with us, if we've done these things, then we are kind of more or less equipped with the basics to meet the demands of adulthood. But there's no doubt about it, right? Adulting is hard, and Christian adulting is even harder. <laughs> In our passage for today, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to um, a church community that he planted in the city of Corinth. These folks have written to him with some kind of criticism about the things that he's been saying to them. Basically, that he isn't giving them sophisticated enough teachings, right? We live in a cosmopolitan city, they've said. We've heard all the great minds coming through and share their high-minded, intellectually stimulating philosophies. Give us something we can really sink our teeth into here instead of all these like basic teachings. And Paul is ready to clap them back um, and help them see themselves much more clearly. You think you're grown, do you? You think that what I'm giving you is basic. Well, if it's so basic, then why are you still struggling to live the fundamentals? I've been giving you milk because you have yet to show that you are capable of swallowing solid food. I heard about you fighting over who's right and who's wrong, the way you're so busy being on Team Apollos or Team Paul, so distracted by style that you have no understanding of substance. Sure, I planted this church, and sure, Apollos 
saw you through to growth, but none of that is possible without God. I can plant a seed, and Apollos can water the soil, but the mystery of the husk cracking open and the roots pouring out, that's God's alone. And most certainly the seed won't crack until it has absorbed at least some of the good effort that the gardeners have put into it. Paul has poured out all he could into the community, but it seems that all they've done is map their values onto God instead of the other way around. And at the end of the day, Paul is saying it's on them to choose whether or not they will allow themselves to be transformed enough for God to do something within them, among them, through them, to be co-laborers in God's field. Now, as you've already heard uh, earlier, today we are celebrating six years of being a distinct expression of Urban Village Church, and it would be easy, it has been easy, to say that our Southside location and identity makes us separate from the whole. And it might be tempting to say that perhaps this distinction is incomparable and difficult to replicate. In some ways, that might be true, right? The people who are here make up who we are in a very unique and distinct ways. But I like to think that, uh, but, but to think like this is to cut ourselves off from one another, right? And worse yet, to cut ourselves off from the possibilities that God would have for us as a whole, as a whole network, right? We are who we are as a community, but the result of many, but also because of the result of many different people who opened themselves to possibilities, planting, watering, and hoping that God will help it grow. From Christian and Trey, the founding co-pastors of Urban Village, um, and other leaders who responded to God's call to step out of the places that they felt most comfortable and confident to see the community here on the South Side, from our own sense of excitement for what was possible through this community, from my own sense of excitement about that, opening myself to partnership with someone that I barely knew to do this incredibly vulnerable work. Have you stood on a street corner trying to engage people in conversation? Have you uh, tried to, to get into deeper uh, relationships with people in your community? It's hard work, and it's very vulnerable. This community exists because of our own Paul's and Apollos's, people who, for love of Christ and belief in the power of God's transformative message of liberation and love, were willing to risk their reputations, their resources, and their emotional labor to plant and nurture something into being. And if you've been around long enough, then you would know that very early on, you'd have heard the story, we were confronted with our own limitations, the places where we ended and God had to begin, right? When my co-planting partner, Benjamin, resigned three weeks before we launched, it seemed impossible that we would come to be, right? This was my first congregation, and it didn't exist, right? <laughs> and while I loved the South Side and had a deep sense of call and commitment to create a space where true community could happen, where queer people of color could could bring their whole selves into a faith community where something good and real and honest could happen among people who were open to something different than what they've known. While all of this was deeply embedded in my imagination and a deeply held conviction for my vision for this community, I was more than aware of what I didn't have, of what I lacked. And yet, as I entered into deep discernment about how to move forward, whether to move forward without Benjamin, I heard God's voice very clearly tell me, stay. And so I stayed. I labored long and hard with others who joined me in the field, whether it was folks from other sites, other sites who came to serve as greeters when we didn't have enough hands in, this, uh, in, in our services, or staff 
uh, who were hired on paid a pittance. <laughs> uh, I think of Bernard, I think of Kurt, I think of uh, um, Leslie, who, who came on and stuck through some pretty lean Sundays, Andrew, of course, uh, through lean Sundays, uh, or those who eventually came out and found a home among our community of beloved church misfits, finding ways to serve and strengthen this community and our mission. I think of Vania and her dessert ministry. I think of Jeff and the multiple fires that he has put out at our candle stations, uh, not to mention repairing greeting signs and storage cart wheels. I think of Brandon and his organizational skills, um, representing Hyde Park Woodlawn at our all UVC vision team meetings and helping to organize our praise team. I think of Holly, who many of you don't know, who was my neighbor when we started this church, who is the one that actually set the standard for, of, for our practice of sharing a meal after worship. And I think of Alana, whose two and a half years of food hospitality leadership helped to deepen and concretize that tradition. Rich and his expertise for configuring the right sound equipment and chair placement, if you guys are here early <laughs> enough, uh, uh, that will maximize that sound equipment, not to mention his own ongoing support of me. I think of Larry and his years of preparing slides for Sunday morning, Anne Marie and her beats, um, and I was just mentioning in our, our pre-worship prayer, I think she, when she started playing the drums here, her feet did not touch the pedal, but now it does. Uh, Rico and his musicianship, Rashada and her pushing through um, some challenging months. Um, Allison and the communion team, as they instruct the children on how to set up the communion table. Drew and his porch ministry. Alyssa and John and their quiet but faithful greeting team leadership. Brett, who has served as our faith and action team leader for coming up on four years. Lena, one of our legacy members who coordinates our children's ministry. And Carolyn and Mike, are, who are other legacy members who helped our faith community be a place where our youngest members can learn and grow in faith. The list goes on and on. And those are the people who are still here. Each person came as a result of unique circumstances, distinct questions, and spiritual longings. They found their way here out of the fabric of Chicago. Uh, they found their way here to become part of a much bigger tapestry that God is weaving of UVC. I could tell more stories. I really could. But I'd rather let you tell yours. So in your worship guide, you should, you should have um, three different colored post-it notes here. And if you don't, raise your hand and we'll make sure that you get that. So we need two, three. Lena's going to get that. And so on the back of that worship guide, you'll there are three colored post-it notes, orange, pink, and green. And I'd like you to, to take some time to reflect. What was the circumstance, question, or spiritual need that brought you to UVC? And I like to think of that as the beginning fires, so that's the orange one, right? Um, the second question is, what, why do you keep coming back? And that's the pink uh, post-it, the, the kind of love that you feel, right? Why do you keep coming back? And then finally, what way or what gifts do you have to add um, that will be part of building the kind of community that call, is God is calling us to be? So that's the green one, that's the, the color of growth. So take a few minutes to reflect on that. If you need a pen, we can also provide those for you. Um, just raise your hand for that, too. Um, and you can reflect on those questions while um, Kate is handing out um, pens, or you can start writing as well. There's a word um, that Paul uses in this letter, the Greek word synergoi, which is the word that we know as synergy. And he, talk, he uses that word to describe um, the ways that the community is, can work together to be in concert, to be 
shoulder to shoulder in those fields with God. We are who we are because of everyone's fingerprint on this community, on the surface of this community. Your fingerprints as well as those of the broader UVC ecology, right? As Hyde Park Woodlawn, we are part of something larger with all of UVC. And as UVC, we are part of something much larger still that God is doing in Chicago and even in the broader church. Last week, I saw an article that discussed the impact of the newly opened Southside Trauma Center at the UFC hospital. Researchers found that prior to the trauma center's opening, 73% of black neighborhoods in Chicago were located more than five miles away from a high-level trauma center that offered advanced emergency medical care. That figure is now down to 31%. There is more work to do, but that figure is down to 31%. And this has translated into saved lives. Many of you will know that UVC played a significant part in the push to get that trauma center open alongside many other tireless um, Southside organizers. And I was proud and grateful to read this news, right? But then I was even more proud and grateful when I read that one of the researchers on this study who was quoted in the report was Dr. Liz Tung. And the reason why I was so proud and grateful is that Liz goes to UVC too. She's a member at UVC Wicker Park. Paul Plants, Apollos Waters, and together we are co-laborers in God's field. UVC is part of something so much bigger, and we are part of something even bigger still. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to have an all-community conversation to share the proposed new staffing structure that leaders from our Staff Parish Relations Committee have been working hard on. Now, if you were around last fall, you would have heard an opportunity or had an opportunity to hear about some of the research that went into shaping this new structure and offer feedback or ask questions. And after nine months of prayerful research and ideation, um, it'll, be, it'll feature new ways of being community and invites us to recall that DNA of openness to God's movement and greater connection, of risk-taking. This new structure will offer the opportunity for us to work synergistically more fully with God and with one another to increase, increase the imprint of God's love on our city. And if you have questions about that between now and our... Um, uh, in our all-community gathering in a couple of weeks, you can talk to Vinia and you can talk to Alyssa, and they'd be happy to chat with you. After six years of being who we are, we will have an opportunity once again to remember and practice the faithfulness of Christian adulting, right? Of recognizing and remembering that the way of following Jesus is less about who is in leadership and more about opening ourselves to what God can do among us. God has done a lot among us. And I was a part of that, but I'm not the only part of that. You heard that list, and there were more people who could be added, right? We are, some, we are who we are because of everyone who is in this space, everyone who has contributed to us being who we are. God has done so much among us in just six years, and God is not even close to being finished. Let us pray. God, we are grateful that you can do so much with so little. <laughs> We are grateful that you invite us to be co-laborers, that you trust us to be co-laborers in your field, and that you work alongside us, that you respect our gifts enough, that you have enough confidence in who we are to call us partners in your work. And so as we give thanks for these six years of partnership with you, God, we ask that you would continue to be faithful in challenging us and loving us into being to continue being partners with you for the next six years. 
We give you thanks and praise, and we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.